0: Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv grew up in church singing Psalms 91. Uh, I don't know if any of you have been in church long enough or been in church where you sang Psalms 91. Anybody remember that? He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Anybody? Like, could you wave at me? or Okay. Okay. I just was wondering who I was talking to. And, and, and most of the time you hear Psalms 91 uh, quoted or if there's songs about it, like the song that I grew up singing in church, they only do the first two verses, Right? But I'm telling you, there's some good meat on the rest of the bone, all right? He that dwells is what we started with. Verse number one, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall rest under the shadow of the Almighty. That's verse one. Verse two then says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, and He's my fortress, and He is my God in whom I will trust. And if you've been in church long enough, somewhere along the way, you probably sang that verse, and, and, but, but it doesn't go any further. But like I said, there's a lot more, and so we're going to tackle verse number 3 today. Last week and the previous week, we established that to dwell in the secret place, the secret place is not a secret as in it's a mystery, okay? When it says, "...he that dwells in the secret place," One of the the myths I want to destroy is that it is the secret place that only a few selected people find. It's for the few anointed. It's for the pastors and the prophets and the. No, 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 no. He that dwells in the secret place, the secret place, ladies and gentlemen, is our salvation. So the secret place is in jesus christ so if if you're a follower of christ today if you've uh if you've committed your life to christ or we might say it like you've been saved or you've been born again or those kind of terminology then you're in the secret place which is another term for the holy of holies. Prior to Jesus' death on the cross, none of us had access into the presence of God or the holy place, but now we get to dwell, come on somebody, in the presence of God. That's good stuff, all right? And so, so then, if he dwells in that secret place, then he gets to rest in a shadow, which is where our title comes from, shadow dwellers. It's just my creative way of saying, I'm saved. I've been redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Okay, uh, let the shadow dweller say so. Okay, what that means is I'm in Christ Jesus and in Jesus is the place of rest. The place of rest is not some mythical, oh, I hope I have the right combination. We find rest in Jesus. As we've already taught, after Jesus died, he was seated at the right hand of the Father, and he invites us to be seated with him, symbolically of being at rest. So from there, we discover the benefits. Okay, so that's verse number 1 and 2. From there, we begin to discover the benefits we have from being in the secret place. Come on. Benefit has to have its privileges. How many agree, right, everybody? I think somebody else said that. Anyway, so here's verse number uh, 3 of Psalms 91. It says, surely he will save you. Is anybody glad about that? Surely. I like this word right here. I wanted to preach a whole message on that word. Notice it's not highlighted. I had to get away from it, all right? But surely, I'll, I'll at least touch on it. He will, not maybe, but he will save you. It does not matter what problem you're in right now, He will save you. You cannot judge your outside circumstance, what you're going through right now, as a contrast to God's promises. No matter what the outside life looks like, there is still a promise that He will save you. Yeah, but I got a health issue. He's still going to save you. But I got a health issue, he's gonna, but He's still going to heal you. We can't always uh, 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 know whether it's going to be on this side of heaven or the other side of heaven, but here's what we know. Too many of us live as this world is everything and forget that eternity is really everything, right? (laughs) Come on, everybody. All right, so surely he will save you. I love the terminology here because, you know, all through the New Testament, we see the devil as the prince of this world. We see him as a serpent. We see him as a lion. But in Psalms 91, it says he will save us from the fowler's snare. I thought that was interesting. And from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers. Again, that just, it, it's it just interesting terminology. I, I, I like some of the scriptures that say he will protect me with his warring angels. Doesn't that sound like, okay, now I'm covered. But feathers, I don't know, Lord. You know, I'm not sure. I've been in some problems. I'm not sure if feathers are going to get it or not, you know? All right. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Oh, man. You will, man. it, it, It just preaches itself, doesn't it? You will not fear. That's interesting. You will not fear. The terror of night. What that proves to me is that I don't not fear because nothing's going on. I will not fear even in the midst of the terror at night. Okay? Nor the arrow that flies by day. Nor the pestilence that stop. Okay, you can stop now, all right? In the darkness. Nor the plagues that destroy at midday. In other words, the problems are always going to be there. Remember last week, the wise man and the foolish man. They're coming. They're coming on the saint and they're coming on the sinner. The, the storms, they are coming for sure so I highlighted because it's water baptism day we really never know how many people are going to get baptized so it's always a trick to know how much to preach so what I wanted to do is just pull out three statements the red ones are the ones we're going to talk about and and really if, if you kind of read between the lines you'll see even how they can be demonstrated or lead us to the waters of baptism all right so here we go uh, there's a lot to unpack here but we're just going to do the three The first one is that he will save or he will protect you. Um, Somebody right now just needs to get a hold, whether you're watching online or you're in the room, somebody just needs to get a hold of the idea that as shaky as this boat seems right now, as shaky as this world, as shaky as our community, as shaky as your job, as shaky as maybe your marriage, however, however bad the storms are coming, God wants you to know, I'm here. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Remember the disciples that were in the storm. The storm didn't have to stop as long as they knew Jesus was in the boat. Right, everybody? Again, we cannot control the storm, but we can control who's on the boat. Right, And so he will protect you. When we are in Jesus, we are protected by him. Here's a verse that everybody needs to commit to memory. Write it down, jot it down, photocopy it, stick it on your dashboard, stick it on your mirror, stick it on your refrigerator, uh, wherever. But Isaiah, Isaiah makes a powerful promise for us. In Isaiah chapter number 54, verse number 17, it says, No weapon forged against you will prevail. That's a place for an amen, whether you believe it or not. What that means, no weapon that is formed. The devil is always, he's a fowler, and he's always laying traps. He always is coming up with a new weapon. What the weapon is for you is different than the weapon is for me, but he's always forming a new weapon. But the Bible tells us that there is no weapon that is formed against you, that is made to destroy you. None of them are going to prosper. Come on now, right? And you, watch this, I like this part. Being in the public eye, even though it's a little public eye, I get this a lot, so I really like this verse. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you on Facebook. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Oh, sorry, sometimes you see things that aren't really there, All right. This is the heritage of the servants of... Wait a minute. This is the heritage of dwelling in the secret place. This is one of the benefits I get, that no weapon formed me. Man, somebody needs to grab that. No weapon formed against me. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And and this is their vindication from me. Come on, declares the Lord. I like that I don't have to get my own vindication. Come on, you know some of you have run after your own vindication, right? But Jesus is saying, one of the benefits, I will vindicate you. I want you to go back just in that verse. It says, surely I will protect you. I love that. I didn't want to make a whole message out of it, but I love that word, and it's hard to get past because verse 3 opens up with, surely, for sure, you can take it to the bank. I'm riding with that, right, everybody? Surely, not maybe. Watch this. Not if you qualify. Not if you prayed enough this week. Not if you uh, memorized enough Scripture. Come on, everybody. I I, I love that there is no condition to this promise. That if I'm in the secret place, because there are people right now that are born-again believers that are afraid to come to God because you feel like you're not spiritual enough. I haven't prayed enough. I've missed too much church. I haven't spent time with God. No, no. And, and so what the devil does is he leverages that and says you can't ask for God's favor, God's blessing, God's protection because you haven't. But what the enemy forgets and what we often forget is his power is not predicated upon my performance. Come on, everybody. Right. It's not it's not conditional. The, now. Now, when we read that verse about the fowler, the Bible in the Old Testament often refers to the devil as a fowler, all right? Now, um, I wasn't completely sure what that meant. I know some of you know, I'm, stu- I'm slow, I'm learning, all right? But a fowler is a professional bird catcher. Woohoo! there's a hobby for you, woo-hoo, yeah, all right? I think we had some professional bird catchers after the Seahawks this year, I'm bing okay, all right? So... <laughs> That just came to me. I'll be here all week. All right. So, he, he he. So what a Fowler does, and you can Google this. It's pretty interesting, actually. I kind of geeked out on it. But he lays traps for birds. Come on. You know you got to be a serious trapper to get a bird, right? And, and so he lays traps carefully. He carefully conceals them so that he can ambush the bird. The Bible is saying that's exactly what the devil is. He knows what type of bird you are. Come on, how many know we got all kinds of birds? We got chickens, we got turkeys, we got eagles, we got dodo birds. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of birds, right? We got, we got them all. Not here, of course. No, none of you. you we're all eagles in this room. Okay. But there is a fowler for every kind of different bird. And, 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 and he's saying that, that the devil is trying to put ambushes, but surely he will protect us. Now, let me backtrack just a little bit. When Adam sinned, um, when he sinned in the garden, what happened is that the world went into chaos Or now, that's why we live in a fallen world. That's why there are things like COVID and cancer. That's why the world was thrown into chaos. Our bodies were thrown into chaos. Okay, so that's why sometimes our cells don't operate right. Our bodies don't operate right. the, The world doesn't operate right. Because when Adam sinned, he opened the door to the enemy. And the world became a fallen world. That's why... The Bible will call this Fowler, the Fowler, the Bible will call him the prince of the kingdoms of this world. Or it says it another way, he, the devil is the prince of the kingdoms of the air. Wow, that's in Ephesians chapter number two if you want to look that up. So, so watch this everybody, that's important theology for us to grab a hold of because every time there's a presidential race or a government race or whatever it is, we think the world's going to get better based on who we vote into office. But no matter who we vote into office, until Jesus comes again, there is still a prince of the power of this heir. And this world is not getting better until Jesus comes with a new heaven and new earth that's way more theology than you signed up for today. But how many know what I'm talking about, right? So, so if you're waiting for, whoo, man, 2020, 2020 wasn't the best year, but man, 2021 is going to be, and no, no, it was this, 2022, this is going to be the year, because I know it's going to get better. And I love that, I love the vision, but the world is not getting better But we, as the people of God, can get better. Come on, everybody, right? Now, the reason I say that is because you will constantly be distraught if you allow the world or the circumstances or the society or COVID or elections or (laughs) I could preach a whole message on them, right? If we're waiting for those things to get better, they're not getting better. But Jesus told us how to weather the storm. He will protect us during these crazy times. Are you glad for it today? Amen? Okay. So number one, he will protect us. Number two, it says he will cover us. Man, I like this. And here's where I want you to see. First of all, we have to be in the secret place for him. He's protecting us. Now he takes it a step further and says, I'm going to cover you. Um, now, I want you to notice how that scripture verse It says, He will cover you with his feathers, or he will hide you under his wing. I, I love this picture because this picture right here, uh, th- this picture, here's an eagle that the article has, he, this eagle has eaglets under its wings in a storm. The reason I like this picture so much is because this is one of the rare pictures that we don't see some eagle standing on a rock. The national anthem playing, soaring in the sky. Here's an eagle in a storm, and it demonstrates that the storms are coming. I'm not trying to be gloom and doom, but storms are always going to be there. But my question is, when the storm is there, whose wing are you trying to find protection under? And this is a picture that shows us no matter how fierce the storm gets, God is bigger than the storm, and he will protect <laughs> us in the middle of the storm. He says, he'll protect us with his feathers. This is interesting because we know that God's not a bird, right? God's not a bird. There's so many truths here, but I'm going to go back to a teaching I did. And if you'll allow me, I'm going to spend 10 minutes kind of rehashing a little bit a teaching I've already done in a message called The Grace Train. I went a little deeper in this. But this picture that I'm going to show you next so illustrates how we are covered in Him. So let me show you a picture of the Ark of the Covenant. And and, and if you want any deeper teaching on this, there's a message online called Grace Train where I really get in and contextualize how the Ark of the Covenant is visible in our world today. But let me just talk to you a little bit about this. So here's the Ark of the Covenant. If you've never read about it in the Bible, you've probably heard about it by watching Indiana Jones. All right, everybody? Um, And so in this Ark, first of all, there is a box right here. And that box is made of acacia wood, which is incorruptible wood. I'm going to show you how the Ark of the Covenant is symbolic of being covered, or it's symbolic of Jesus. It's symbolic of the secret place in Jesus. All right. So the the box part of the Ark of the Covenant is made of acacia wood, um, and it's covered in gold. And uh, the wood uh, is a symbol of humanity, The gold is a symbol of divinity. And so there we have the Ark of the Covenant, then, is a picture of Jesus, incorruptible and divine. 100% human and 100% 100 human, wood, and 100% wood. God, gold. Everybody got that part? Okay. Then there's this lid. And this is the part I want you to pay real careful attention to a little more than in previous teachings. So here's this lid right here. And this lid is a solid slab of gold. And it has these two angels on it. Anybody notice what's on the angels' backs? Wings. Come on. say. Ah, I heard somebody get a Shazam Gomer Pile moment. All right. (laughs) Come on now. He will protect you with his wings. He'll protect you with his feathers. He'll protect you, watch this, under his wing. Uh, Wait till you find out what's in the ark and what he's protecting you. So we have this little part. It's called the mercy seat. And it has those, the cherubim, but we'll just call them angels for right now. And it's made of solid gold, and there's a whole bunch of that. Uh, the, the Hebrew language is what calls it the mercy seat. Um, and that's the mercy seat. So when the, when the high priest came in to make blood sacrifice, the blood, can I go back to that picture real quick? The blood was shed, or the blood was poured on the mercy seat. Okay, I want, you to, I want you to see that. Now, I also brought some other pictures. That's a top view of what's in the ark, and here's some other. I know it's a little blurry, but those are the pictures of three items in the ark. These are very significant. I'll hit them real quick. Again, I've done a little further teaching on this in the past, but first thing that's in here are the Ten Commandments, and, and I'm not going to get into all of that. I'm just going to tell you what they symbolize, and what the Ten Commandments symbolize is our rebellion to God's law. Or I'll say it a different way that doesn't sound so mean. (laughs) It's our inability to keep God's law. We might be trying to keep God's law, but we couldn't. Now, I want you to notice. So those are in the, the Ark of the Covenant. Or the law is covered in the secret place. Let me say it another way. The law is covered in Jesus. And the Bible says when we give our life to the Lord, now we are in Jesus, and Jesus is in us. Woo, come on now. The second thing that's in there uh, is, uh, what do I got? Number, number two is Aaron's staff. And there's a whole bunch of cool stuff about that, but I'm just going to tell you that this speaks of man's rebellion against God's authority or God's leaders or appointed authority, particularly in the Old Testament when they were led by God. Um, Yeah, I'll just leave it right there. Okay, a point of, otherwise I'm going to open a can of worms. Number three, the third thing that's in the Ark of the Covenant is a gold pot of manna. Okay, remember the manna fed them for 40 years in the desert? And the Bible says they ate it every day and not one of them got sick. Isn't that something? For 40 years, Wonder Bread on the ground, pick it up, eat it, never got sick, gave me the strength to wander around the desert for 40 years. How many know that's a supernatural food? But the Bible says that the children of God complained about the miracle. I wonder if we ever complain about God's miracle and you would say, no, not at all. If God healed me of, but manna became mundane every single day for 40 years. I wonder how many miracles are happening every single day that we become accustomed to. Let, 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 let Let me give you an example of one. Ready? Here we go. Every single day. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, is anybody hearing what I'm saying? And, and so the, this, the, this, they called it miserable food. So this is, so all of them, there's rebellion against God's law, there's rebellion against God's authority, and there's rebellion against God's provision. All inside of the ark or in Jesus, covered by the mercy seat, covered On top of the mercy, or included in the mercy seat, are the angels, the wings, the feathers. Okay, hang on. So the Day of Atonement comes, the high priest. Old Testament. Thank God we're delivered out of the Old Testament. And, And here comes the high priest once a year to go into the Holy of Holies, the secret place that you don't dwell in. You just get in there, do your business, and get out. The high priest would go in there, and he would shed the blood for the people on the mercy seat. How I many of you glad we don't live in the Old Testament anymore, right? I know. If you're new to church, this stuff is freaking you out. Don't worry. We don't do this. There's no blood being shed here today, everybody, okay? All right. Um, so he would place the blood sacrifice on the mercy seat. The mercy seat is what covered our rebellion. He says, He that dwells in the secret place of the most, I shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Surely he will protect me under his wings and beneath his feathers. He's protecting me from my own sin, my own rebellion, my own will. Come on. It's not the enemy he's protecting me from. It's the in-a-me he's protecting me from. Come on, somebody, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And we're always blaming the devil, but you got a little devil running around in you. How many know it's true, right? Okay. Not theologically, everybody. It's just an emphatic statement. So as the blood is applied on the mercy seat, the blood covers rebellion. The blood, uh, 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 the rebellion of the law, the rebellion of authority, the rebellion of provision was in the box. The box is Jesus. Now, I've said this before. I won't go back into it, but if you've ever seen the original Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, anybody seen that? Come on now. And, And they open the ark, they find the ark and open the ark and their faces melt off. Right, it, I mean that was huge graphics in the 80s. Come on, somebody, right? And and their faces melt off. Well, that's actually biblical. It really is. There's scriptures, and I I do it in the grace train where uh, certain people open the and they died, and and the reason is because when you remove grace, when you remove the mercy seat, when you remove the very grace that God provided, the feathers the wings that he provided to cover our rebellion, what do we get? We get death. That's what God's grace is. His feathers and his wings and his blood are there protecting us. Now watch this. We want to say it's protecting us from the, the enemy, and that's partially true, but watch this. What is he protecting us from? What does the secret place protect us from? What is the big storm? Is the big storm COVID? <laughs> That's small potatoes, everybody. What is the big storm? The big storm is not the storm from out there. The big storm is the storm that comes from right in here. So, so what, what is his wings and his feathers? What's the mercy? What's it protecting us from? Let me, I'm glad you asked. Let me give you three, all right? First of all, his grace, the mercy seat, his feathers, his wings are protecting us from condemnation. He's protecting us because any of us, you know this, Romans chapter 8, verse number 1, there is now therefore no condemnation to what? Those who are in Christ Jesus. Can I paraphrase it? For those that are in the secret place, protected by his wings. Come on. It's His grace. It protects us from condemnation. And there are Christians that are listening to me today. You love Jesus. You're on your way to heaven. But you're not living the abundant life that Jesus died for you to live because you're still living with guilt and shame and condemnation. And it's the storm that is ruining your house. But there is now, therefore, no condemnation if you get in the secret place and enjoy the benefits of being in Christ Jesus. (laughs) Woo! The second thing he protects us from, I want you to lean into this one, is judgment. He, he, he protects us from judgment. Have you ever noticed the devil is always trying to judge you? Huh? Let me let me give you some examples. Just just say amen or something. Wink at me, nod at me, kind of give me a sly look or something. How, how many of, the enemy is always judging you? You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You know the skeleton's in your closet. You don't have the right pedigree. He's constantly judging. Do you know that we're not, as Christians, we're not going to be judged of God? Not in the way that we know. We're all going to stand before God and go to the great white throne judgment. And if our name is found in the Lamb's Book of Life, we get to see you later. (laughs) See you, don't want to be you. All right, and then you go... Then you go to the next judgment, which is the Bema Seed. And the Bema Seed judgment is where Christians receive their rewards for their faithful works here on this earth. And then I take those rewards and I come and put them before the feet of Jesus. I don't ever want to come to the feet of Jesus empty-handed. Come on, right? Okay, so we don't have to fear judgment is what that's about. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tag that at the end with a verse, and you'll see this. Okay, here's the third thing. Uh, condemnation, judgment, and the third storm is punishment. He, 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 the devil is constantly trying to get us to punish ourselves or thinking wrong theology that God is punishing you. God's punishing me because I didn't blah, 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 so now I have this issue. God is not punishing you, friends. If you understand what it means to be in the secret place, in the place of grace, and be in Jesus, covered by his way, why in the world would he die on the cross to do everything he could to protect you, only to be in heaven looking for every reason for you to mess up so he could blow up your world? No, when we're in Jesus, he's not punishing us. Listen, if God is punishing us for our mess-ups, then he needs to apologize to Jesus because the Bible says in Isaiah that my punishments were upon him. Come on. In other words, everything that was owed to me, God put on Jesus, punished Jesus for my sin so I don't have to be punished for my sin. Somebody ought to thank him for grace on that one, right? Now that doesn't mean we don't get reprimanded, but how many parents know there's a difference between disciplining a child and trying to ruin a child, right? Okay, so so this place, this, this secret place, this place under his wings, this is a place, watch this, of divine protection. Let me say it another way. It's a place of divine immunity. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you've got the vaccine or haven't got the vaccine. I don't know if you're immune or not immune. But can I tell you, spiritually speaking, you in Jesus are immune to condemnation, immune to judgment, immune to punishment. Come on, man. Woo. All right, I'll get you clapping one way. I'm going to start turning cartwheels. Watch this. Watch this. The word immunity, here's what it means. Protection. Anybody want that? or exemption from something, you know you did something, so you better take the exemption, all right? So especially an obligation or a penalty. Sin caused all of us to be under penalty of the law, but grace, His wings, His feathers, come on, they bring us immunity from that. That's mercy, that's grace, that's favor, amen? Now, remember in the Old Testament when Adam sinned and God comes looking for him and says, Adam, where are you at? And Adam's out hiding behind a tree, right? Isn't it a kind of a funny story? I mean, it's because like Adam's like, uh-oh, I messed up. And he's hiding behind a tree. Like, hey, Adam, <laughs> spoiler alert, God sees through trees. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. But isn't it funny today, too, because God sees through our excuses. He sees through our religion. Some of you, God's been knocking on your heart even this morning that today's the day you need to publicly proclaim him and be water baptized, but you're coming up with every excuse. I'm glad you are because we've got a bunch of things to argue with you about in just a moment. <laughs> but you know what God doesn't see through? He doesn't see through the blood of Jesus. So when he looks at me, he doesn't see through the blood of Jesus and see my mess-ups and my sins and my frailties and my faults. He sees me as this is my beloved son. <sighs> Come on, man, right? His blood, his wings protect us. Interesting side note, okay? These are the little things I, I have to be careful not to preach, but here's two minutes. When Mary went to the tomb, remember the story? Goes Easter. This would be a good Easter message. When Mary goes to the tomb, she looks down into the tomb. Does anybody know what she saw? Two angels. Ah, uh, Come on, can I just wait a minute and let the light bulb moments go off? <laughs> Old Testament, mercy seat, two angels. New Testament, Jesus defeats death, hell, and the grave. There's an empty tomb, and the first thing that Mary sees is what she's used to seeing because she's a Jewish girl, but now she doesn't see it in a box. She sees it in the flesh. There's two angels on the mercy seat. The blood has been accepted. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, everybody. (laughs) Woo! Right? All right. Um, Let me prove it to you in Scripture real quick because some of you are like, I don't know about that. Okay, here it is. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb and saw, there they are, two angels while seated where Jesus' body had been. The ark is Jesus. In the Old Testament, two angels, there they are, symbolizing that the blood has been accepted, man, and we are now protected under his wings. Oh, I love that. Now let me give you one more side note on this, and we're going to wrap up and start getting people wet, all right? um he will now so he he wants to protect us and he wants to cover us but he won't force his protection on us i love this little this little verse right here it it, it has way more meaning than what i'm going to use it for but i just want to use it to make a point he's not going to force his will on anybody in this room One of the reasons that we have to open our mouth and confess Him as Lord is to show that our will is engaged in receiving this free gift of grace. He wants to protect everybody. He wants to cover you. He wants to be your Father, not just your Creator. But Luke says something interesting in the light of the same thing. In Luke chapter number 13, it says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often... I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks. What? under? How often I just want to cover you under my blood. I, I, I long to be your Lord and your Savior and your Father and your friend and your brother. And I long to be what you are looking for. But if you don't turn to Him, He loves us enough not to force His will on us. Wow. I read a story when I was looking this up. It's an old story, so you've probably heard it, about a farmer who had a barn that burned down. He was wa- walking through the carnage and all the, the soot, of the barn burning down, and he seen this carcass uh, of, of a chicken, and he kicked the carcass, and out from under the wings of the carcass were baby chicks still alive. That's what it's like to be under the wings. I told you I'd give you three statements. Here's the last one. It'll be the shortest. He says, you will not fear. That's a very interesting statement, Um, especially in contrast to some things I said last week. You will not fear. Um, Oftentimes when Christians say things like, well, you shouldn't fear. And the Bible says, you, you know, perfect love casts out all fear. A lot of times that's being misquoted. So, what it doesn't mean is that we will never have butterflies. Aren't you glad for that? I mean, really. I mean, no fear can be a good thing. When a lion is running your way, you should be afraid. <laughs> I'm just saying, all right? Okay, so the benefits of salvation is that ultimately there's nothing to be afraid of because ultimately we're with Jesus. I think we live expecting too much from this world and not enough from the world to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me give you one thought: is we don't need to fear. But l- let me go back. Remember, one of the storms: condemnation, judgment, punishment. Okay, so let me take you to a verse that is so often misquoted when it comes to the subject of fear. Because what happens is now you feel fear about something in life and you feel condemned because you're not supposed to feel fear. Well, hold on. Let's categorize that the right way. 1 John 4.18 is a powerful verse. We all love it. Most of the time it comes out when you're arguing with somebody. All right? Here's what it is. There is no fear in love. Or another translation says perfect love has cast out all fear. Perfect love is God, right? So when we're in God, in the secret place, we don't have to have fear. That's what that's saying. But wait a minute, I still do have some fear. You know, okay, let me be silly. The lion's running at you, I'm afraid. Okay, but watch this. But perfect love, that's only what God can do. It's not about how good you love God, because only His love is perfect. Watch this. It drives out fear, comma. It does, there's not a period there. It drives out fear. Watch this. Now it's going to tell you why. Because fear has to do with punishment. Remember? What are we protected from? Judgment and punishment. So now the fear that love casts out is the fear of punishment, everybody. The fear of judgment, the fear of condemnation, the fear that I'm not good enough. I'll be afraid of a lion any old day. But if I don't have to be afraid of God's love or punishment or judgment or condemnation, come on. That's what his love does. It voids out. I don't have there is nothing the enemy could throw at me that would make me tremble more than having God's punishment and judgment and condemnation, but His love protects us under His wings and covers us in the secret place. Will you receive that? Say a good amen. (laughs) Amen? All right. I got to end right there, but today, as you already know, is water baptism, and all water baptism is this. Let me give you five minutes of teaching on it. Uh, And it's this, and you'll see it connected in all of this. So our rebellion is covered in Jesus, but you got to get in Jesus to get the grace, to get the wings, to get, you understand what I'm saying, right? And so uh, it's just an outward symbol. So every Sunday in here, what happens is we stand and we pray, and we say, if there are those of you that want to become followers of Christ, and we say a prayer. And we have people raise their hands. Sometimes eyes are closed, sometimes they're not. In the last two weeks, we've had somewhere between eight and a dozen people that have given their life to the Lord. And, um, and, 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 and it's private. It's kind of in your chair. We don't bring you forward. We don't call you out. Uh, you know, we don't turn around and sing a song to you. Nothing like that. Okay, But today is the day that what you did in the darkness, because if I can't live for Jesus in a room of a couple hundred people that are going to cheer for me, how am I ever going to live for Jesus outside this room where i got no cheerleaders? Right. right, everybody? Okay. So all this represents, and you can connect it all you want to the message, is it represents I'm dying to myself and being buried. The old me is being buried, and I'm being resurrected in Christ. Yeah. I'm, coming, I'm coming into the secret place. It's a public proclamation. Let me give you three things about today that you need to be prepared for. Maybe you came today, and you weren't prepared to be water baptized. The Bible says some things about doing our first works again. Maybe as a child you got baptized, you didn't really live for God, but now you're rediscovering God. I would just encourage you, if you listen to my seven churches of Revelation teaching, there's a place that says, go back and do your first works again. If your spiritual life is dull and dead, maybe. There's nothing magic about this water, but I can tell you this. We've been praying, we always pray. T- we, we always pray that something supernatural happen at Radius when people get baptized. Yeah. That addiction, you're, you're saved and you're on your way to heaven, but addictions will be broken. Yes. Right there in that water. Because I'm saying goodbye to the old me and resurrected in the new. Okay, and so let me give you three points real quick preparation. Here's the preparation. You got to be born again. So in just a minute, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to be heaven's waiting on you today. All right. Uh, So the preparation is you need to be born again. And sometimes, like I just said, we need to go back and do our first works. Um, Now, preparation could lead to some practical things and say, well, I didn't come today prepared to be baptized. I don't have clothes and I don't have towels and I don't have all of that. Well, it is your lucky day, because we got these nice little goodie bags, and they got everything you need in your size. They have special anointed baptism shorts, they have special anointed baptism t-shirts that you get, it says, I have decided, Dun, da, da, da. and it has this nice little bag for you to carry home your wet clothes in. Woo, I love that. You say, but, you know, I really wanted my family to be here to take pictures. You hand us your phone. I will stand here and live stream, FaceTime, Zoom, satellite, whatever you need to do. We will get pictures of you, all right? We have towels. We have hair products. If your hair's too much in your way, we'll give you one of these, all right? Or whatever you need. I'm not sure if I like that laughter or not. I'm trying to grow. I'm trying, all right? I'm trying. Okay, here's the pattern. The pattern. That, that's the preparation. Here's the pattern. Jesus did it. Jesus did it in front of everybody. And, and by the way, our style, it'd be really nice if we sprinkled. We don't sprinkle. I wish we did because we filled up a whole tub in here yesterday and it started leaking again. And let me just tell you, I had a few words with the devil. I just want everybody to know. We got rid of it. We couldn't find a bigger tub. I know that's small. Some of you are taller than that. Don't worry. We'll get it done. How many know it's a matter of the heart? If every bang doesn't get baptized, serves you right for having bangs anyway. All right? We'll get you in there, all right? Okay, they're going to give you specific instructions, bend your knees, do a sit-up. If you can't do a sit-up, there's two big, strong guys that are going to help you do a sit-up. They're going to wear a mask just for courtesy out for you. And, uh, but we do believe in immersion, not submersion. Sometimes people mistake that. Submersion means you go under and never come back up. <laughs> How many are glad that's not our theology, right, everybody, right? Immersion means you go down and come up. Now, depending on our own discernment, Mark, some people get held under a little longer, all right? I'm just kidding, Lighten no, up. okay? It's immersion, all right? We're going to, all right. And we do that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for a lot of reasons that I won't go into right now. And then, lastly, it's the proclamation. The proclamation is, I am a child of God, and I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Amen. And and the proclamation is, God, I want you to do something supernatural in my life. I am dying to myself, and I'm being resurrected in Christ. And from this day forward, I'm going to live in a secret place, covered by his wings, under the blood, the mercy seat of Jesus Christ. Amen. Isn't that good, everybody? Will you receive that today? All right.